Yo, ain't that video crazy? Just not a thing to do. Yes. <laughs> mm. These people, these people be scamming all around, man. These people be scamming all around, and they they making up tapes. They always making up footage. They they never. If you don't maintain a VHS, it's gonna break down. Amen. Mm -mm. Thank God, you all Kelly about to be out. But I, I found some more money for us. Well, uh, for all what's Kelly, the money? Buy a magazine. A vibe magazine? Yup. Uh, how, how much? How much? <laughs> I don't even know how much they worth, yo. Let me see how much they worth. Let me see how much they worth, yo. Um, vibe magazine net worth. They are at. Are they still going? Hmm. Got the stock number. Net worth 13. Oh, 81. <laughs> How that make sense? It gotta be 81.5 million or something. But it says K. It said it estimated earnings was $123 for, for the last 30 days. That don't make no damn sense. Anyway, we taking it. <laughs> Yo. Virtue. Five magazine net worth in 2022. Wow, $13,000. How's that make sense? Five magazine shut down. Um, Miss Lady T. Five magazine closed down. Shutting down today. Oh, it shut down in 2009. So, who is Daniel? So, see, Danielle Smith is who, who popped off everything, right? She came out in 1996 with the first article in Vibe magazine saying that yeah. Kelly was married. You know, you know her? You know of her? What's her name? Danielle Smith. Yeah, the name sounds familiar. Yeah, she went on Twitter, Danamo, D-A-N-A-M-O. Not saying the docs or the... Hit at her, you know what I'm saying? But just saying she on Twitter. Um, yeah, but she started the whole thing. Okay. And you know why she started it? She was working with Deborah Goddess back in the back in 1996. <laughs> you know who else was working with Deborah Goddess back in 2000? Dream oh. Hampton. Wow. Yup. Um, they got a thing with New York Times. How Hootie and the Blowfish? What are they trying to? Take my thing down. I had access to this just now. How Hootie and the Blowfish inspired both love and hate. It's a podcast he was doing with Danielle Smith. Deborah Goddess. Yo, reject you. Y'all need to get another browser, man. You can clear your cookies of your preference. Your preference will be stored for this device. I said I've reached my limit of free articles. Hey, yeah, yeah. Oh man. I'ma get it though. I'ma get it. I'ma get it. But um when you go to Dream Hampton's story, right? Cause she started mm -hmm. talking about how she feels. When I went to interview R. Kelly, it was the summer of two thousand and I was doing a story for Bob magazine. 
We knew about the early marriage for sure. We knew that this 27-year-old man had married a 15-year-old, not unlike Elvis having married 14-year-old Priscilla. Now check this, editor's note, see correction below. Elvis and Priscilla Presley met when she was 14, but did not marry for eight more years. We wow. never knew. Yeah, she got married at 22. There have been those relationships, if we're honest, in our own families, and we go back just a couple of generations. How old was our grandfather when he married our grandmother, and so on and so forth. Exactly. Yeah, that's what she got up. But it was this, well, my grandfather, my grandfather was much older than my grandmother because my grandmother, I don't want to get too deep into it, just in case anybody recognized me, but my grandmother was like the sister of his wife. Yeah, she came like living with them, and they, I guess they got close. They had my dad. And if he, if that never happened, I want to be here right now, yo. <laughs> but, <laughs> I mean, that was in the 50s or 60s or something, but you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it was disgusting. I absolutely asked him about Aaliyah. He was offended that I had. I remember you called me afterwards to yet to kind of yell at me about it being there. What began what began to become clear a few months after my story was published, with Chicago-based reporter Jim Derogatis' relentless reporting that really began in December of 2000 with the leak of the sex tape. So see, she kicked it off again. Vibe Magazine. Vibe Magazine kicked it off in 1996. Vibe Magazine kicked it off in 2000. But Jim Derogatis pulled the strings. Um, Derogatis is also a host of member station, WBEZ's, whatever. That this wasn't just some very not okay marriage to a teenager. And I don't me mean to make light of that. It's incredibly not okay but that this was predatory behavior and he has settled several lawsuits with teenagers and then this sex abuse tape comes out. Oh, it is with great regret that I say I, that I missed it. And to Vibe's credit, Danielle Smith was editor-in-chief at the time. My story probably hit the streets in September and by the time Jim's story come out in December, Danielle sent someone from Vibe right back out to get the story right on R. Kelly, but it was not me. Yo, they were doing this in 1996. And Disney was trying to do Aaliyah's biopic since 2014 with Lifetime. Like, this was in the works for years. Mm -hmm. Yo, the official trailer for Aaliyah, Princess of R&B, has been released. This is September 2014 in um, Mail Online, Delhi. This is dailymail.co.uk. But rather frustratingly, producers have not included any snippets from the film to show rising star Alexander, Alexandra Ship in action as a late singer. They did this movie so they can interject that R. Kelly married Leah, you know what I'm saying, and try to take that money. It's all connected. Because Lifetime did this, but Lifetime did surviving R. Kelly before it put out the biopic. They had this plans for this in 2014, but the, mm -hmm. the movie came out this year. Remember when they said they had bus drivers, sis? Police, people to lie. People, yeah, people to lie, they had bus drivers. What do you think what about else? the bus drivers? They had friends and all. Mm-hmm.
Mm-hmm. We got people to lie. Yo, how can the government do that? Because the government is it has Larry listed as a federal informant. Right? How can you allow this to keep continuing and, and trying to make this shit real? You know, they did this with OJ Simpson too, you know. That's why OJ mm. got, got dismissed. Did it with Michael mm. Jackson. He said he wanted to do it with Michael Jackson again. Mm. <laughs> you know what? I wish Johnny Cochran was still living. He would have, this case would have been over. Facts. But you know, honestly, right? How Bonjean is going through this, man, surgically surgically and her team listens to everything that's why i always like to interject this this evidence because they both they both had a little talk how hootie and the blowfish inspired both whatever the fuck some bullshit with daniel smith and jim derogatis it's like the meeting of the minds you know what i'm saying and then, and then uh, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna set up a vpn on this truth. Um, i mean this case is who it's a lot of money involved. Let's see how much vibe got. I mean, what what the vibe? He he on vibe too. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Bob got like thirteen thousand dollars. Bob broke his shit, but Daniel Smith. Nah, nah, I don't think vibe vibe magazine not that broke. They said they shut down in two thousand and nine. Oh yeah. yeah, that was Quincy Jones' um magazine. Quincy Jones on on vibe back then. Mm-hmm. Mm. And they kicked off two cases. They kicked off nine the, the, the ninety-six um rumors and allegations about the the marriage between R. Kelly and Aaliyah. And they also kicked off the 2000 investigation. The 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 she came out in September, she said. He came out in, in, in December of two thousand, but he also said he came out in January of two thousand. Mm-hmm. And remember, uh, Quincy Jones, they said he had allegations against him. They said he was homosexual, wasn't he? Allegedly. They said he was messing with Tevin Campbell, I heard. Right. But, I heard, but you see, Tevin Campbell ain't never come back, yo. He's he's steady on the, the dark side. The <laughs> woman got books. She got books. She was going for the culture editor at ESPN's. ESPN's. Oh, these people's resumes are big. They know she was book and shot his right. So, so you think, you think, oh, uh, he gonna tell on Kim Fox? I think Kim Fox needs to tell on him. I'm not. I'm not. Abinadi might end up telling on Kim. Abinadi going to switch on Kim. Huh? Because Abinadi's definitely going to switch on Kim. Abinadi ain't got no code. In my estimation. Mm. This is big money, though. This is kind of scary. Whenever you get into this big money, it's like you know you can get off for nothing, you know. Uh huh. Oh, like uh, the, it, so don't forget about Sony. He owns Sony too. <laughs> Facts. Yo, he got he owns all of these companies. He actually owns NBC. You see NBC that time he was looking to buy. He owns yeah. them. Between him, Michael Jackson, Bill Cosby, 
They own NBC. Probably even Harvey Weinstein. You know, I, I don't want to just keep it like bias, but when we come to the actual facts, probably Harvey Weinstein too. Ooh, ooh, ooh. And definitely Donald Trump. David like they said, remember, like he said on what's the, on Miss Society, we said, you know, you fucked up, right? <laughs> <laughs> they did, though. They did. Yo, I got to get this. Let me They did fuck up big time. And, and, they, and they say, Kane, did Kane snitch or the other one snitch? I don't even know. I can't remember Miss Society like that. You know? I used to watch it back in the days, but I thought it was like black exploitation. Mm -hmm. 90s black exploitation movie. Yeah. You know, like Boys in the Hood and all that. That actually New Jack City made me kind of go dark for a while. Yo, I met Wesley Snipes in Atlanta. I was like, yo, Nino. And he looked at me like so sad, like, damn, another young brother fucked up by my movie. <laughs> I was like Nino, Nino, he was snitching. Yo, yeah, Nino, but he had he had big connections. They they deserve to get snitched to. But when you check how that story really was, it was like the um the cops were working for the Italian mafia. They was like, hey, if I'm going down, everybody going down. I did. It ain't just gonna be about Nino Brown. <laughs> it's bigger than Nino Brown. Mm -hmm. And guess what happened to Nino Brown? End up getting killed. That's because he treated he treated the, the neighborhood bad. He had the old man get beat up and shit, selling that poison to your city and. You know, I had a friend who used to do this stuff, right? But he used to sell movies to like outside, you know what I'm saying? Not inside the actual community. He used to go around, he'd never be around no schools, he never did, you know? And the people who wanted it were going to get it regardless at that point in time. So I couldn't even be mad with him at that. But the way Nino was working, yo, was like, he took over a whole building, made them hostage. <laughs> you know I, mean? I thought you made me a mod. Y'all thought I did make you a mod. Oh, there you go. Yeah, you a mod. Yeah. Uh, I thought I, I did make you a mod last month. I think when, I'm, when I put you inside the audience, somebody switched it down. I was trying to figure out how to mute you. Uh, I knew so, you were telling somebody how to mute you, and they, they weren't figuring it out, right? So I was like, let me just put you in the audience quick. So I ain't know what I'm doing. I, I'm on the Obama phone. <laughs> yeah. Let me see if I can get this. They said, hopefully, get your uh, computer back up. Oh, yo, I just, I just actually picked up the CPU. So next week I'm gonna get the memory and I'm gonna get the the cooler, the CPU cooler, and that's it. I'm done. I'm back up and running, yo. And I'm probably gonna I be able they to. I had a waterproof. Oh, do they have water? Nah, uh, waterproof uh computer. I think they do. Waterproof computer? What do you need them for though? <laughs> Shoot, if they do got waterproof, sure. I need that mug. You mean for a laptop? You be going out with your laptop and stuff? Yes, cause it won't damage your. We got waterproof. It won't damage your computer, right? Yeah, it don't damage it. it it's actually yeah. I've seen a few of them. Hey, man. Mm. man, they. I mean, they brought a lot of information tonight. Yo, Dana, Dana killed it, man. Dana went through how they all had these fake. I mean, there is no tape. And somebody, somebody was tampering. Somebody was tampering the videos, you know. Mm-hmm. Because it got digitized. But remember, what you call them admitted to tampering already too. Lisa Van, see, even even the 2008 trial, right? 
You can't bring that tick no more. Jim Devin got it just said that he made it. He said he got a fax, and then he got uh, a call, and then he had to go to his mailbox. He didn't even care for his aircraft or another bomb, you know, big up, big bomb pin. You know what I'm saying? He didn't care what it was. He just opened it up and said, wow, I got a tick. And I know exactly how long it was because I watched it like 50 times every night. And I keep jerking off to it. Don't know what to do. This guy's a nut, yo. Mm -hmm. Yo, they're going to keep me out. They're kind of nuts, man. Like I said, I be tell they keep them on, keep keep on keep them on their toes. Yo, but isn't it crazy that the, the government is doing all of this? Who <sighs> them governments? Oh boy! Homeland Security about to get this board, yo. I'm sorry, but it's about to get shut down. I'm sorry to say it. Uh, or either that or a good few departments when Homeland Security got to get shot, or people got to get fired. Oh, somebody like Tasha K might be in serious trouble too. Oh, Tasha K, she ran to Florida. You heard about that, right? She ran to Florida. Yeah, she can't. She ran to some place where she can't get prosecuted as easily. She ran to Florida, yo. I think I think it was like earlier this week. Uh, they gonna end up getting her. Yeah. But it's gonna take them a little longer. Nah, be a woman and say, "Hey, I messed up." <laughs> but you know what? The powers that she's dealing with, right, are so big. Like, I don't blame her. Just like you. Sylvia, she about to get. Oh, Sylvia definitely going down. I mean, uh, a Sly Fox definitely going to have some problems, man. But I don't like to talk about them, these people too much. You know, because really and truly, it's like the Chitlin circuit. You know what I'm saying? But we study it. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, they need to go, for sure, out this out this whole orchestra. They need to go to jail. But at the same time, it's like there's so much bigger money, like, moving it. The mafia is moving it. Yeah, who that happened? Oh, I thought somebody else happened. Yeah. I guess what? I hope she don't go because I hope she don't run to that lady, the one she got fired. I hope she don't run into her. Which one is that? Remember when Dana said uh, she got some lady fired? Mm. I don't remember that one, yo. He got she she got Tasha K got a lady fired. No, Sylvia. Remember? Oh, yo, she got Dana fired. I mean, she went through government um, records. She she really did a lot. She really did a lot. She was selling t transcripts. I mean, what more? Yeah. The thing is, Man, I, I, feel, I don't feel sorry for them. I don't. No, I don't. I really don't. Because they've been scamming the whole time. Banners and fake billboards, and they've been scamming the whole time. I mean... And they've, and they've been attacking the Dream Team and Dana J and Levi for Kelly. Anybody who's been good, Prima Donna, anybody who's good. You see, you don't see Trent no more, right? I haven't seen Trent for a minute. You see what happened to Faze? Faze was like, Shh, I'm gone. Faze is bounced? You remember when Faze was like, when... When she seen people getting indictments, she like, shh, I'm gone. Oh, shit. Yo, this back in 2020 when she left. Mm -mm -mm. 
I think the end of, I think it was the end of 2019, or I think it was 2020, and she was like, uh-uh, we, we, we see people getting indicted, getting indictments and stuff, she's like, uh-uh, I'm bouncing. Well, I don't blame you, though, because this thing will get deep. Your horn is set, right? I don't know how, man, this thing is still jumping up. I've reached my limit. Y'all was trying, I thought, I thought I got it free. <laughs> Sorry, man. Yeah. Yeah, she was like, I'm about to, I'm about to peace. I ain't trying to get no indictments. Mm -hmm. she's, well, like, I ain't, she's like, I ain't trying to get nobody's indictments. Sorry. Mm -hmm. so I, well, she, I want shit. I would have bounced too if I was phases. I, I bounced they too. All, they all try to work hard to keep um R. Kelly locked up. What what the freak they expect? You know what I'm saying? You've been doing this for two years. You think these people are gonna protect you for two, three years? You're disposable. Mm. All of them disposable. Cause oh boy, I'll pray. Like I say. Yo, how cool this case, the I think this case is going to be for six to eight weeks. Yo, I think R. Kelly about to come out in a sec, yo. Like. Because, you know, stuff is coming out. Boom, 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 mm -hmm. boom. Like. Mm -hmm. And I think the boss go to uh, trial. I think the boss got court next month on the 21st. I hope the boats can go to jail. I really do. I really do. He that already, guy really, he already really messed really. up. He got people going his page and stuff. Well, that thing with the dildo stuff, like, he needs to go to jail. Mm -hmm. Well, I got one for you, man. I got, I got another exclusive. I think. How Hootie and the Blowfish inspired both love and hate. Critics who were writing about the band at the peak of its fame look back at how the group became so divisive. This is Jim Derogatis and Danielle Smith together. I'll let you cry. Music, music, criticism. I'm your host, John Carroll. You can hear it okay? Yeah, I hear it. Your heads. Real Hootie heads in the moment. This week, we're going to talk about what it was like to write about Hootie and the Blowfish, kind of at their peak. And we got two guests today. First, Danielle Smith, former editor-in-chief of Vibe, who I used to work for. And in the mid-90s, she was the music editor of Vibe, and she wrote about the second Hootie record in a very moving way. And so she's going to come on, and we're going to talk about all the, all the feelings underneath that. And then we're going to close out with the boy Jim DeRogatis. You know Jim for his work on the R. Kelly allegations. But Jim, in the 90s, worked at Rolling Stone and famously, kind of negatively, reviewed Hootie 
apparently in a way that offended a lot of people and somehow resulted in him losing his job. So we're going to talk about that. So we've got a little bit of a pro, a little bit of a con, but a lot of hootie. So we're going to start off first. Danielle Smith is calling in. DSW, how you doing? How are you, John Caramana? I miss you. Miss you terribly. So DSW, I know you're on retreat, and I'm, I'm sure part of that. You know what this is right here, Ms. Lake T? This is a Rico. Ooh. This is Jimmy D and Danielle Smith. Danielle Smith was the first one to ever write on um, R. Kelly with the, the Aaliyah marriage. And Jimmy D was the first one to break. Well, he was he was the one to put everything with the cops starting in December of 2000. So he says, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yep, there we go right here. This is how they get together and they talk about these things. And it seemed like they've been doing this across the board. He was trying to get Hootie and the Blowfish too. <laughs> like, <laughs> you heard the list, right? He had a list. He's like, this person, this person, this person, all of them need to go down. He even said Elvis, right? But see, you see, that's why he backtracked on Elvis. And now we find out Elvis was actually married at 22. Thank you. If you're sitting in front of the computer. I'm going to let it play for a while, right? Right. Man, oh. there's a one called like wrestling, which is actually celebrating its 15th anniversary. It's kind of a semi-autobiographical thing about my sister and I growing up in East Oakland. Yeah, if you want if you want to say something or if anybody pop up and want to say something, just, you know, punch them in and, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, or say something and I'll just like, stop it. <laughs> All right. And then there's another novel. Both of these are published by Random House, Crown Random House, called Bliss, which is about an uh, R&B girl who's kind of amazing. Go cop these on, on Amazon.com. They're there. They're there. But I'm moving into, you know, I'm stretching out with some narrative nonfiction. And the book is called Shine Bright. It's about the history of black women pop, correct? Yes, yes. It's the it's the story of how black women took over American pop music. Oh, Kelly going to take over that book. Which is absolutely true, John. And when the book comes out, you need to have me back on so we can argue about that, please. What are we going to argue about when we go to free? True, What are we going to argue about? True, true. It's, it's really hard and fun to write this book. Been a long time coming, so I'm excited. Well, I appreciate you taking a break so that we can get in this serious rucker business today. What? Mm. Tell the haters to stand down. Ah, really annoying <laughs> zone today. For those that don't know, me and DSW have deep, deep roots. Before I worked at the New York Times, which is a newspaper, I worked at Vibe Magazine. I was a music editor hired by Danielle, sometimes with wisdom, sometimes not. It was a momentous and an energized year and a half that we worked together. And Danielle is someone who I have been reading since I have been reading about music. And very crucially, in the mid-90s, Danielle was the music editor of Vibe. This is like 1.0 era, early Vibe. And the first piece of writing about Kumi and the Bluefish that let me know that I was not totally off for liking them was by Danielle Smith. That is in the, I gotta check your Google Books Vibe Archive. It was on the internet. June, July, 96 issue with that Fuji's cover. DSW, what do you call it when the heads of the people interrupt the vibe on the, on the magazine cover? Was that a name? Was there a term for that? I don't even know what you're asking me. If the heads of the people, you, what? You know, like when the heads are, like when the, when Y-Clef's head is in front of the V, not behind the V. 
Oh, that was a moment. In front of a logo? That's what I'm saying, right? That that was unusual. Uh, yeah. I remember this cover. Oh, yeah. Very yes. beautiful, vivid cover. Yes. The lead review, and for, for kids, kids, if you don't know, when magazines existed and there were review sections, the lead review was the album every month that you wanted to give the biggest play and the most space to your writer to really go in. So the fact that the lead review of Vibe magazine in 1996 with Goody and the Bluefish was already one thing, the fact that DSW came with these bars is a completely next level thing. Uh, let me, I just want to read a quick bar right off the top, and then we'll, we'll get into the conversation. Rucker looks less like someone from the BlackRock Coalition, which we'll tell you about in a minute, than like someone black who joined a White Rock Coalition and started mentally hanging out with Dan Fogelberg, AO, and Bruce Springsteen, which is kind of what he did. Black Rock Coalition, if you don't know, was something from starting in New York in the mid-80s. Vernon Reed from Living Color, Greg Tate, Peace to the OG, and a bunch of others formed a kind of informal network. I do miss getting those emails. I used to get those emails every week, and it was a great guide to things that were happening in New York. But you said Darius coming from a completely different perspective. But yet, your, the essence of your takeaway, and we'll get to the kicker of your review shortly, but the essence of your takeaway is there's more going on within Darius than might be visible to the naked eye and naked ear, correct? Absolutely. Mm. I mean, I guess I understood it, but I completely resisted it. Really, I didn't have to resist it because I didn't feel any part of it. This idea that he was somehow like not good or that he was corny or that he was just like hanging with the polite boys or that he was... What do the kids call it now? Uh, that he was some kind of industry plant. I just never thought any of that. I heard his voice, and as a fan and also as a critic, I was went over like what four notes in to anything mm -hmm. he's ever saying. Yeah, it's it's his voice is too signature. It's too profound, and just because the context that it is located in is maybe a slightly more conventional, it's not an outre context at all, right? Mm -hmm. It's a very centrist mm -hmm. context, mm -hmm. but, yes. but it doesn't diminish the power of what he's doing vocally, and also on some of the songs, what he's doing lyrically. It doesn't, and it, I think sometimes too that that even makes it more like, he is kind of a plant on the inside of like what rock was like in the 90s. Mm -hmm. Like he, he was kind of revolutionary to me. Like I just thought that he was, he was doing a thing that people thought that white people did. He was doing like, I'm the hugest like Steve Perry fan, mm -hmm. and I am the hugest Eddie Vedder fan, and he was doing that. Absolutely, and not in a kind of derivative way, right? No, like not in a kind of a facsimile sense. No, he was doing that like, do you want somebody with like a big massive voice to like own the entire world for a little bit? with some like, who else is in Pearl Jam loving the death, right? But it's like, do you want that? Who else is in Journey, right? You got no loving respect for the guy Stone Gossard? What's up? What's up? No love for Jeff Ament? Like, really, he could be sitting next to me right now, and I just feel like you are. So, no. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Same for, like, Journey. Like, love yeah. them. Like, shout out to, like, all of Journey, but really, like, without period, they're nothing. So it's kind of like that thing of, like, I always feel like, and this could be wrong, white people kind of want you to be a band. So you just always feel like, well, so he had this band. And I didn't think they were half bad, but his voice is like Perry. It's yeah. like, 
I come to you with open arms. I don't care what anybody says. Can you talk a little bit about what Vibe Magazine was like in that era? And obviously you being the music editor, I assume you had some sway or total sway over what the lead could be, but was it a source of contention amongst folks at the office? Were people like, you really banging with this? Like, why is it, why is this in the magazine? Like, what are you doing out here? Like, you really, you come in from the Bay Area, you put the hoodie in the blowfish? What's happening? Okay, first of all, this is the thing. So 96, 97, right? When was that? Cause I'm June, July, 96. June, July, 96. Yes, I was music editor. Yeah, right? I checked the master. Yes, okay, so. First of all, God bless Alan Light. Shout, shout, out, Alan shout Light. out to the OG. Yeah. Shout out to Alan so, Light. Yeah, so Alan was EIC, and Alan, Alan gave me a lot of room to be me, which is a blessing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that how it works? <laughs> Alan Light gave me a lot of room to be me. <laughs> and Alan has such great taste, right? And part of Alan's great taste, he passed along to me, which is just, it's simple things, just having an open mind. And also, Anthony D. Curtis, from, who was music editor at Rolling Stone for a long time, yeah. Anthony also taught me to sort of ask yourself a series of, of questions when you're reviewing. Yeah. And one of them is, at the end of the day, does this have artistic merit? Simply, think, simply. Right. Does it have artistic merit? And my thing was with Darius, I'm screaming from the top of my lungs, yes. Right, it's not a debate. Yeah. It's strange because the debate in my mind about Hootie in that era, and this is the second album, so coming right off all the hits, the world-killing hits, right? Yes, yes. But the debate is never about, is Darius Rucker a good singer? That's never the debate. The debate is, is this band corny? But it's never, is Darius Rucker talented? It never was that. But then also for me, I love pop. So it never bothered me that he was in a big band selling platinum, you know, going platinum, 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 platinum. Right. That he was Dave Letterman's, that's how they got so famous also. Oh, yeah. They, yeah. they were, yes, yeah, mm-hmm. they were on Letterman all the time because it was Letterman's. I was such a fan. I went to rehearsal. Why didn't I? No. I met Jerry Cole. Tell you the crowd. <laughs> I went to rehearsal for the wow. Dave Letterman show to see. Darius Rucker sing live because I didn't know, like, for whatever reason, if I was like, Yeah, you want to say something, Miss Lady T? That's a lot of information. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the thing about it is, right, I didn't even know Jim Dever got his lost his job at Rolling Stone. You know what I'm saying? Like, he was a bum, a disgraced bum, and he went from that to the $1.7 billion man. Mm-hmm. Why he got fired from Rollstone? He was dissing Hootie and the Blowfish. What he did to what he did to them? He 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 dissed them in a, in an article. It seemed it sounded like what he did was he basically had some wrong some views about Hootie and the Blowfish. Nobody else shared as usual defaming somebody, being derogatory towards somebody, like his name says. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm, I'm going to keep playing, right? But there's a lot of information. Mm-hmm. they just exposing themselves, piece by piece. Because the thing about this is, right? You mm. got the person who started the R. Kelly rumors about Aaliyah's marriage, and you got the guy who started the case in 2000 with Aaliyah together on the same panel. Yeah, you wanna know who else was OJ Simpson lawyer? Who's that? Alito? 
No, uh, Judge. Uh, uh, they remember uh, Kim Kardashian's father was OJ Simpson lawyer too. Nah, Rob Kardashian was the friend. He was he was a good friend who then even recently he started trying to put out some shit about OJ. And it's like, mm, no, the glove didn't fit. You got to quit. Furthermore, they smeared blood. They went back the next day after the place was washed down and said they found blood. And not only that, there's another guy who they called the Casanova killer mm. who was in a relationship with Nicole. And they said he, he was on, a, they had a statewide manhunt for the Casanova killer in the same month, in the same, in the same week when Nicole and the other guy was murdered. Because I heard they say they killed her because they say she owed a whole lot of money to a drug dealer. Nah, from what I heard, she was fucking the wrong dude because she was on drugs, right? But she used to get drugs free. And her, her best friend was like a pimpstress, a, a madam or whatever, allegedly. You know what I'm saying? So she used to run the whole area. Like, she used to roll with all the drug dealers. She ain't had to pay for no drugs. She was fucking, she, uh, uh, according to the transcripts, she was fucking drug dealers in front of the kids. And that's when OJ went to the house. And they tried to make it a big thing, like OJ did the wrong thing. He went to the house. They say he kicked in the door, but of course he's going to be mad. He's like, you're having sex with drug dealers in front of the children. My neighbors, your neighbors are telling me. Your friend, my friends are telling me this. I need my kids. Yup. Mm -hmm. But she was dating the gardener who was next door, who ended up being... Um, I can't remember his name. The Casanova Killer. Right? Yeah, mm -hmm. you can look it up. Even his brother said that he did it because he came up with the, he had a brooch or something that he gave to his mother that belonged to Nicole, um, Nicole Smith. And she wore that to the trial. Right? He had his mother wear that to the trial. He sent it to his mother first and had his mother wear it to the trial. And then after that, he did some other shit where he keeps painting like their graves in jail for like 10 mm -hmm. years because he killed too many other people. He just got out last year. No, yeah. I think he in Florida or something like that. Oh, no. OJ, he ain't got out last year. He got out like 2017. Uh, OJ in jail. What you said? I, I think OJ Simpson got out like in 2016. Did he? Oh. Yeah, that was pretty... That's what the time when they set him up with his own his own memorabilia, right? Because what happened was they had stolen all his stuff. They had taken all his stuff, and they started holding it ransom. So he said he's going to go there with two friends. Now, he told his friends to, like, step back for a bit. I got this truck. <laughs> they, like, they were trying to get money, and he ain't had no money. He just wanted his stuff back. It's like his personal mm -hmm. stuff. And the, the, the FBI or whatever was already there inside the hotel room recording it. When he, from the time he got there, they even had video of him going into the hotel. They had they had a wiretap in the room next door, according to the video they did before, or the documentary they did before O.J. Simpson's arrest. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? And it was basically like he was just asking back for his stuff. Ooh. Yeah. You about to go to sleep, Miss Lady T? <laughs> man, this too, man, this get too much. <laughs> Yo, get some rest, man. I'm going to finish this up, man. If anything, I'm going to leave it on here. You know what I'm saying? Okay, well, we, we you can start off again, like, in the morning. Man, once I get an idea, that shit going. I'm on to the next. <laughs>
Uh, Don't worry, man. Next time I come, come on, on I'm gonna go further. <laughs> yeah, man. Suck. Yo, it's a straight recall. Any, any else? Uh, they got. Oh, uh, that's fine. Uh, but you know what though? What? I believe they say they believe R. Kelly has money. If he is high money, they don't know where is that. Mm. But the thing is, if he did have money, right? I think what happened is Don Russell or some of them hid the money for themselves. No, I believe. Uh, let's see. I believe R. Kelly probably hid his money from you know. You get um. I ain't gonna say too much. <laughs> Yo, honestly, right? You see them royalties? He done he done signed them over to Greenberg long time. And I don't think he got I don't think he got nothing. Period. Because no. remember he ain't that he ain't that, that versed. You know what I'm saying? It's not like he could go online and say, yo, I'm gonna send some money to Florida. I'm gonna send some money to, to the Caymans. He ain't that versed. And he was on a stipend. But the money he's owed is in lawsuits. Just like Dana, the money he's owed right now is in lawsuits. You know what I'm saying? But once you get the court proceedings, you get the evidence or whatever, you get um discovery, you are owed money. Dana owed money from um YouTube, right? But I think yeah. we're getting more, more quicker from Homeland Security because they're involved in funding these people who have been attacking them online. They owe him. Yeah, they owe him. Big time. He's been slandered, defamed, and they're paying people who are doing this. Devil God is just paying people who are doing this. He's the one orchestrating. Him and this woman, Danielle, the other woman, Michelle, Avenatti, Kim Fox. It's like, yeah, let's get the ratings up. Time to get some of the booster ratings and get everybody distracted. Put R. Kelly on the line again. Huh. Disney, Disney owes money. Not to Dana, but you know, maybe it does. Yeah, because they funded Surviving R. Kelly. The people from Bunham, whatever. I'm sure they involved. Anyway, it's all a big. There's there got to be money from some somebody specific. And knowing Dana, he gonna figure out exactly who that specific person is that owes him money for his compensation. Oh, so what's going on with Angela Yee? They say she's not on Breakfast Club no more. I don't know, you know. But I was hearing a lot of weird things about Angela Yee recently, like how she was a hoe. Now she was like begging Gucci man to like hook up with him and I don't know. But I think I think Breakfast Club need to go. That's a pox on our society. All they do is tear down men. Mm-hmm. You know Donkey of the Day. And then Charlemagne be having like dudes in the background, like model toys in the background, doing butt sex and all kind of weird stuff. It's just like, nah. You need to go, bro. You're trying to do some subliminal thing with the kids. You know, kids watch it. Kids usually watch Breakfast Club. Uh-huh. Now you know the allegations against Charlemagne and right, but from what I see, man, I don't know. I just ain't feeling a lot of these people. I don't even watch TV no more. Anyway, Miss Lady T gets some rest, but I'm gonna keep pressing play and let this roll out for a minute, man. Okay, a a Friday night adult talk. No, I, what, how adult are you trying to get in this talk? 
<laughs> Raunchy. All right, man. I hear you. Respect, right? <laughs> Thanks a lot for jumping in, Miss Lady T. Okay. I see you. If I don't go to sleep, I come back. All right, no problem, man. Man, get okay. some rest. I hear you on it, man. Get some rest. Let me tell you something. You got to believe more stress in the body. It was just your birthday. <laughs> now, that's next week. It's my birthday. <laughs> See, you got to keep your rest for your birthday. No, no, no. It's your birthday month, yo. I remember at one point in time, I, I party almost every day of my birthday. It was the best thing in the world. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll hit you up later. All right, Ms. Lady T. Respect hey, you. All right. Yeah, bye. All right. Reason if I was going to be able to see them and you know, whatever it was like, I wasn't going to be able to see them live that uh, round. I went, I heard him live in that small ass room with like almost no one in that. You know, it's like a talk show, right? You know, it's like regular Mercury Lab, you know, it's yes. like, just, yeah, it's like it's like in your parents' den, you know, yes. And to be clear, he stopped the room. And these are people that have heard everybody. I'm talking about the guy that's like spraying Windex on the like camera lens. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Like that guy, like the girl who's bringing like the 85th cup of coffee to like the 78th person, mm -hmm. she's dead in her tracks. I believe it. It was a moment. And he knew who I was. He liked the review. He knew I was coming. He was happy that I was black and liked his music. Yeah. And that is something like when, when he and I were speaking for this most recent article, mm -hmm. the first thing he and I spoke about was, you remember he did that R&B record in like the early 2000s? Mm -hmm. It was the first thing he did solo. Yeah. Right. And I was kind of like, you could have chosen anything, right? You could have made a Roots record. You could have made a Bluegrass record. A, a straight Exactly. Well, you know. Were you trying to prove a point, both musically and also to say, yeah, I do this, FYI. And he was like, yeah. Like, he's like, I just felt like people didn't always know. And I wanted to let those people know that I knew. How could you listen to Darius's voice and not hear blues, which is everything that something called rhythm and blues is based in? Absolutely. He is the bluesiest. The most. If anything, one of the most striking things, and maybe I shouldn't be so struck by this, but his solo country material, like subsequent to that, is probably the least bluesy of all his work. The singing is the most controlled, the, the production is like the crispest and the tightest. And I think it, even though I like a... Isn't this crazy that a black vibe um, music editor is attacking black R. Kelly, but boosting white Hootie and the Blowfish? Like, when are we all ever going to tune into Hootie and the Blowfish? Are they still living? This is July 8, 2019. I'm stop pressing pause. This thing is no funny when I play pause thing. Hurts. I think it kind of does him a little bit of a disservice because the really expressive part of Darius's voice is at the edges. It's that bleeding edge of blues. Man, listen, I don't know what I was going through <laughs> in the early to the 90s. Like, I know a little bit about it. I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to bring like your audience into the drama of my like personal life and my you know. That's my girlfriend too. Let her cry. Oh, can I, I confess? Can I confess? Can I confess something? Do. Yes. There's no place for this in the piece that I wrote, right? But I did tell Darius this in the interview. And I don't like to generally like embarrass myself in interviews or on podcasts, to be honest. But this song in particular is so special to me. And I, there was a thing that happened in my life that was so absurd that I feel like, whatever, only 50,000 people listen to this show, it's fine. Like, you know, like they'll know and then nobody else will know, just us, me, you, and the other 50,000 people. Uh, so I used, I used to date a woman who had some troubles 
and I made, you could call it a mixtape, you know, it was a CD, but it was, I burned it, of, I want to say 15 different live versions of Letter Cry. Like I searched and scoured yeah. the internet for yeah. bootlegs, like your rare mom. ones. Mm-hmm. Oh, you were thinking of I mean, well, you know, you know me. You know, like, <laughs> I mean, you're like, don't sound surprised. <laughs> Why are you acting surprised? Oh my God. After this phone call, I, I need a long email like with an explanation oh, and I can yeah. name the dates. I might send you the MP3s. <laughs> and you know what? I would not be mad. That's the whole thing that I'm talking about. I'm sorry you went through that, John, but Thank you know you. that song got you through it. Oh, did it ever? I came out stronger. I cry every time. The thing that got me about that song was he's so generous yeah. in that song. The lyrics are so generous toward the person that he has such strong feelings for. He gives that person so much room to be her. At his own peril. Yes. At his own peril. Yes. Oh. I'm a, to, to misquote what you said, I'm not saying it's right, but it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Even though it's not. Yes. Let's, all right, we're going to listen to one of these versions. I'm just picking at random here. Let Her Cry live at Farm Aid 1995. Last night I tried to leave, cried to watch I could not believe. She was a single girl, I fell in love with all the she went in the back to get high. I sat down on my couch and cried. Oh, my woman, the bear, oh, bear. Don't you roll my bear? Let her cry. She'll do the wrong time. Let her sing. If you want her to sing, let her go. Walk right out of the way. Sunday, I'm not tomorrow. Let her be. Let her cry. Yo, Ray J singing for Hootie and the Blowfish now, yo. <laughs> Shit, I, was, I ain't supposed to press pause no more. <laughs> what the heezy. Oh, Marion, is that you? <laughs> I don't know why everybody used to cry listening to this song. So there was, so basically there wasn't institutionally any blowback for covering this in vibe. Because I remember at the time thinking it was unusual. As a reader, I remember thinking it was unusual that it was in. To say there was none, I think is strong. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know that I had no problem in my office opening my door and playing my music real loud. Like, really? You don't say. <laughs> so people would literally come and stand in my doorway and say, like, is this really what we're doing? Like, this is what we're doing right now. I mean, this is Biggie, Tupac. Oh yeah, so I'm saying, this is peak. Everything was happening. And maybe that's another reason why I gravitated because Everything was happening. And we Blue were safe harbor away yes, from that. Yes. Yes. You know, because like, you wanted and, to boost you know, white folks' skills while black folks' skills was like coming up. Emotion and sometimes coziness. People had their jokes, but I think that something that people tend to forget about vibe too is that one of the things that I used to have either as music editor or when I was editor in chief on my wall was that we claim everything. It's true. 
I remember Santana said, and I guess he has a new album out too, mm -hmm. talking about Africa, but when he won his, what, the Grammy for album of the year or song of the year or whatever, and he said all music is based in Africa, like it's all of it, everything that we do. And that's how I kind of felt about it. I'm like, everything kind of goes back to like these beats and these blues, right? Mm -hmm. And so it didn't seem weird to me to love Darius and his little crew. And to be frank, I mean, I think a lot of the foundation for my personal taste is built out so of white music is African now yo Elvis my you know so as you know so many of the music critics of my generation came out oh, of the indie rock background you know, they came out of the Minneapolis stuff or, or you know things of that nature and that was never that was never my background and for many years Before I was felt weirdly marginalized in that set because I was like oh I don't know anything about the replacements that's so, not my thing but I knew where my DNA came from my DNA came from the source and vibe and double XL from 93 to 97 you know what I mean like that's Came from Cameron. Let's call it what it is. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Anybody wants to see my pink pants, they can. And so to see this, to be validated by this piece, I remember was very powerful for me. I'm glad you remembered it. I want to thank you for that. Actually, it's very strange to to get to that point in your career. Actually, where you've forgotten some of the stuff that you've written. So I forgot what I wrote two months ago. This is actually not a bad piece by me. This is really good. No, this is. Well, I remember the thing that I remembered most about it was your kicker. And so I'm going to read that right now. But first, we're going to play, let's play a little bit of Tucker's Town from Fairweather Johnson. Yo, big old movie in the Blowfish, man, but it was a shameless plug on Bob's part. I'm just speaking bias because, you know, right now I'm fond of it. They connected. So let's read this. So you close with Tucker's Town. Tucker's Town is, is a song on the record that kind of directly addresses race. And one of the interesting things in the interview that I had with Darius recently was he talked about the first album, all those big hits, Hold My Hand, etc., as protest records. He was like, he was like a black man in a white band singing about racial unity without saying race. Like basically songs about universal acceptance, things like coming from us meant something. And there was also just stuff that also didn't make the piece. The white guys in the band, Dean, Mark, Sony, you know, they formed in college and they used to play Southern frat parties in like the late 80s. And they all said that there were parties where people were out there calling Darius the oh, name, the name that you should not be using and oh, that they that. had to fight their way out of some frat parties, oh, you know, brawling with these kids. And Sony, I think, especially was the one he was like, look, he's like, I didn't grow up in a particularly diverse environment. And being with Darius in those environments allowed me to see those environments for what they were through his eyes. And he's like, and it made me such a better person. And it made us such better people and us a tighter band because we, band, yeah, because we fought his fights with him because yeah. we saw them as they were happening. So that was really powerful. I didn't, I wasn't able to get in the piece, unfortunately. But let's talk about, because part of what this review is about is you trying to understand if Rucker knows what you think he's about. That's part of what this review is about. So let's see. I live for Hootie and the Blowfish because Darius Rucker's voice, so plain spoken and riffless, so ethereal, creates a space for people's sadnesses, a solid, earthy place, another place for me to cry my blues, racial and otherwise. I don't know what I can't see, he sings in Tucker's Town over and over, but I know he knows. And I remember reading that in 96 and being like, damn, like 
what really gave that's whew, just the power of your reckoning the power of unpacking what he's actually doing in his presentation it just was like just a tremendous tremendous act of criticism here one thank you and two shout out to me but also like, I, I always go back to i always go back to anthony and and, and alan I and mean, just really uh Kind of brought me up in this game as a as a critic and, and taught me so much and and really by by that I mean they taught me stuff but they also gave me kept reminding me that you know I could own my thoughts about music I could I could say them loudly and proudly and whether they were popular or not so I really owe them a lot but I will say that I, I don't feel any differently today I think that one I think it's always super arrogant for people to decide who's like really black and who isn't and I just always think that that's dumb it's too complex to be a yes or no answer in any case but I do feel like with if you are wondering something, well, how can he really be black or something? And it's like, sometimes I think he's like the blackest. Like, he's from the other side sometimes, and his battles are very black. Who knows what y'all don't have battles, but it's like his battles. I'm back. <laughs> I thought you was going to sleep. Ah, uh, yeah. I'll just, I'll just play. I'm about to go to bed. I'll hit you up later. All right, yo. Have a good night. <laughs> okay. Bye-bye. All right, Miss Lady. <laughs> All right, Shh, that's my government name. <laughs> Crazy thing about this is that she used Tupac, Biggie, all of them to sell booty in the blowfish. The, the music business remains a very segregated space. Absolutely. And he was on the other side shouting, man. Yeah. He wasn't like, you know, coming in for a sack solo or, or something like he was a leader of the band and he was fearless with that voice. He didn't change it. He didn't. He just sang out. He sang out like he just sang, like you said, to the edges of everything. Like, badly, he just yes. my hand. It's like that whole album was a crack review, I think. It's like crack review, yeah. people need to hold up that album. Like, oh, yeah. That's I mean, that's why I wrote the thing. I was just like, I can't believe 25 years has passed and no one has properly claimed this record for what it is. You know? I think it's mean. I think it's short-sighted. It's mean. And I'm so glad that you did it. And, you know, on all the streaming services now, I was just looking at every place you go. It's like all the remastered versions. It sounds incredible. So. He just, um, I think he's, I think he's a, a treasure, and I think he's uniquely American, and I'm happy that you wrote about him, John. I mean, you know, just just following the greats. That's all I'm doing here. Look now, look. Hey, hey. DSW, I'm going to let you go back to your creativity cavern. Cool? It's been a pleasure hanging out with you, John. Okay, are you guys excited? Do you guys feel the kind of communal energy, the the commune that I'm building? Is it thirty minutes? This means it's a whole half. Are you feeling embraced by it? Do you want to be a part of it? Do you want to get the outfit? Do you want to get the merch? No. Great. Dim Duragonis is calling in now, and he's gonna, I think, completely disabuse you of everything that you've heard for the last episode and a half. So we're going to talk to Jim Duragatis today. Jim has been on the podcast before. You certainly know Jim's work tirelessly detailing the allegations of sexual improprieties with minors, child pornography against R. Kelly. Jim put out a book recently 
taking all of the R. Kelly stuff in, in big picture. It's called Soulless, the case against R. Kelly. That came out a few weeks ago. And that's why Jim was on podcast previously to talk about R. Kelly. We're going to give Jim a respite today from that. <laughs> uh, Jim's calling in from Chicago because, Jim, let me tell you what the popular understanding is. And then you can talk me through the truth or non-truth. So from what I understand, you negatively reviewed Fairweather Johnson, which is the second Hootie record. And this is when you worked at Rolling Stone. Yes. And Hootie was, or Darius or whoever, was a friend of Jan, Jan Wenner, who ran the magazine and the reviews with an iron fist. And you couldn't say a bad thing about anyone who was a friend of Jan. This is certainly something We're off that I the rails, heard. off the rails already. <laughs> okay, well, this is what I'm, but this is certainly something I heard. Like when I was reviewing records for Rolling Stone many years later, I think maybe I like negatively reviewed like a Wyclef record or something, and someone called me and was like, "Yeah, yeah, you can't, you can't insult Wyclef." And I was like, "Really?" So anyway, that you negatively reviewed it, and that Jan was mad and pulled the review reassigned it to a favorable review and that you were fired over this. This is like the war. Did they blank him out? 30 minutes. You stop. This is the law. This is the law. We lost your job. So we have this new uh, Spin Doctors record, and we got this up and comer Dave Matthews band, right? And this is all the same, man. This is all lazy white person wiggle music. This is a jam band light for people who think Bud Light is a psychedelic drug. And plus, wow. Uh, yeah, plus, bars. you know, Jim, come on, Jim you, I want to pay you $4 a word for these for these bars right yeah, now. Yeah, well, it was a pretty good review of a triple header, right? I said, plus, you know, uh, David Crosby sang on two of these three records, and he was, of course, the dead secret weapon, a uh, circle working man's dead. So, you know, I wrote this review, and we had an artist had commissioned a, a, a triple header piece of art, Chris Barron, David Crosby, who think Bud Light. Did we also <laughs> Rolling Stones. Right uh, about I negatively reviewed Fairweather Johnson. Okay. You know, I was deputy music editor. Keith Moore, my good friend, was music editor. And we were like, what are we going to do? We got this second Hootie album. They'd been on the cover of Rolling Stone for the first record. Ann Powers had written a, a long feature. Keith came over and was bemoaning, what the hell are we going to do? And as I often do, I espouse the, uh, uh, a theory. <laughs> like I said, we also have this new uh, Spin Doctors record, and we got this up-and-comer Dave Matthews band, right? And this is all the same, man. This is all lazy white person wiggle music. This is a jam band light for people who think Bud Light is a psychedelic drug. 
And plus, wow. uh, yeah, plus, you bars. know, plus Jim, you have, a, Jim, you, I want to pay you four dollars a word for these for these bars, right? Yeah, now. yeah. Well, you know, it was a pretty good review of a triple header, right? And I said, plus, you know, uh, David Crosby sang on two of these three records, and he was, of course, the dead secret weapon, a uh, circle working man's dead. So, you know, I wrote this review, and we had an artist had commissioned a, a, a triple header piece of art. Chris Barron from Spin Doctor. So it was the lead review, correct? It was the lead review. Right. So we got a, a, a painting, you know, of Barron and Matthews and Darius. And Jan sees that and he's upset, right? And Keith, you know, wonderfully naive, brilliant human being that he is, says he thinks Jan is upset because we are slighting Hootie, Hootie having been on the cover for the first breakthrough album. And I said, I don't think that's what he's saying. Now, mind you, in the copy department at Stone, when I was there, there was literally a sign that said, three and a half stars is never having to say, you're sorry. Because <laughs> it was five star, you know, great. Of course, no, I wish I knew that when I was writing reviews for Rolling Stone. Uh, I didn't know what told me that. See, you know, they never tell you. You know, when I went I, to Stone, I, I lived it, but no, I lived it, but no one told it. Yeah, when I went to Stone, you know, people, one person in particular who had copy edited my first book on psychedelic rock literally told me, brilliant woman, said, uh, you know, everything you do the rest of your career will have pixie dust scattered on it. And of course, when I got fired, and Cameron Crowe, who I'm friendly with, had said, you know, it's going to be great. You're going to do great at Stone. And when I got fired, both Cameron and the editor, who would said pixie dust, you know, both said, oh, we knew that would happen. And I'm like, well, what did you tell me before? Wait, so tell me, so wait, so what is it in fact that Jan was objecting to? You know, to? Jan was objecting to Hootie had sold eight and a half million copies of the first record. And the other bands were, the other bands were not. And he didn't care about the other bands yet. In time, I he see. would care much more about Dave Matthews and Hootie's star with Wayne. You know, he didn't care about the other bands, didn't know who they were. You just don't crap on something that has sold that much product. I mean, this, that's what three and a half stars is never having to say you're sorry is about. If you don't like it, just go right down the middle. Don't give a negative review. Now, you can give a negative oh, yeah. review. You can hide a lot. Sadly, you can hide a lot behind three, three and a half stars. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, but, you know, like, like, like at that point, if you wanted to give a band review to Garbage or something, right, you know, uh, that would have been fine. But if it's a band he cared about that was selling, and he only cared about it because it was selling, I don't believe he had any relationship whatsoever with Darius. Mm, and he, he certainly did with Ahmed Erdogan and the Atlantic Records machinery. And Atlantic was in the same building, you know, on Sixth Avenue as Hootie. So, uh, you know, I said, I don't think that's what he means, Keith. And Keith said, no, nah, we'll uh, pull out the Hootie review. That'll be our lead. And the other two can run as a separate joint review. I said, okay. So I rewrote it and just pulled out the Hootie. And now we have a new painting commissioned of the hoodies and uh, all of them this time and they're sitting on a haystack right. right and so then you know it's like literally friday afternoon the magazine's going to press Jan really blows a gasket pulls that from the magazine from the proofs and uh, assigns a reviewer who's genuinely uh, well disposed to everything and she had wait what is a what did you rate what was your rating i said I, the... I gave it three stars Okay, so you were you were making a point. I, well, I see uh, the notion that I hated Hootie. I thought they were just really uh, blandly mediocre. I, I, I derided the lyrics for the Hallmark card banality, 
which was especially hard to take compared the last to the sophomoric sex puns of the titles, right, of the album, Coochie <laughs> Pop and, and Cracked Rear View. And, you know, if you recall that in Power's Rolling Stone cover story, they're driving around in the bus and ogling the co-eds. I mean, these yeah, were, I mean, they these were, were a frat. They, they were, were frat brains. Brains. This was Brett Kavanaugh times four. You know, uh, that's how I saw them. But I didn't hate them. Well, I thought I said in the review they were the equivalent, musical equivalent of milk and cookies. And so, uh, uh, you know, so he only pulled it, and the, the reviewer who was assigned had like one hour. So, you know, censorship is never heavy handed, it's implied. You know, you got an hour to review Hootie, it's the lead review. We're going to pay you double because, like, you know, you got to turn it around. It's like, it, it, it doesn't have to be said, make it a good review. But I didn't get fired for writing that review. See, I went, oh, okay. I went home, and we had a lot of enemies, Keith Moore and I, at Rolling Stone. Basically, everybody who worked there. And uh, somebody tipped okay. off the New York Observer, you know, which was the weekly paper pre-Jared Kushner owning it, that covered inside media gossip in New York. So they yeah, called it home. And very well. This is yeah, where they, they were, they, they excelled at it. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, Friday night, Keith is drinking his second bottle of wine. I'm at home. My wife's uh, seven and a half months pregnant in Hoboken. And uh, uh, I get a call from the New York Observer. You know, we heard this story. Young winners fight the negative who you review. And I said, I can't talk to you. Now, this went against every uh, the last time I was on podcast. We're talking about 19 years of investigative reporting about R. Kelly, which cost me considerable angst and and problems in my life, yes. uh, but it was a important story and those problems pale in comparison to the people he hurt. Um, you were here in my house, we were talking about it for the times. Um, you know, so I, that didn't, I hate to say no comment, what a weaselly thing to do. And they said, well, you know, you know, just talk to us. And they said, well, really, I can't. I was desperately trying to get out of stone. I uh, was trying to get back to Chicago uh, or freelance or, or anything besides Stone, but you know, like the wife wasn't working and she was pregnant, and this is a little bit of pressure. So life, you know, life, life, is, life. yeah. So they, you know, the reporter finally said, "Well, answer me one question: Is Jan Winter a Hootie fan?" And I said, "I quote: That son of a bitch is a fan of anything that sells eight and a half million copies." Well, there you go. And that ran in bold in a pull quote with his picture. And uh, so there you go. I mean, it's, it's kind of like the person who's chronically depressed and steps in front of the bus. Was that an act intentional? Uh, was that uh, a mistake? Was that just the, the fog of, 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 of everything in life, right? And so, yeah. I mean, I went in Monday morning and I you know, took the, uh, the, the bus to uh, Port Authority and then walked to uh, 6th Avenue you know, Rolling Stones headquarters, and, and they had thoughtfully packed up my desk, two security guards, and I was ushered to uh, personnel where I was told uh, New York's a right-to-work state, and uh, I was out the door. Now, Keith got fired, were you too. Were you relieved? Well, except for the part with the seven-and-a-half-month pregnant wife and, and right. uh, no discernible income, and having been fired from Rolling Stone, would I ever work in, you know, music journalism again? It was a weird mix of relief and utter fear and panic. And Keith got fired too, but he got to finish the next issue, and then he got a, a in exchange for a non-disclosure agreement, a uh, umbrella farewell package. I got nothing. I don't even think I got my last check. 
Oh. Yeah, so it was it. But it was my big mouth, John. I mean, you know, be clear. Oh, sure. It was my big mouth that got me fired. It was not, uh, you know... The crime of disliking Hootie and the Bloodfish. Yeah, but I never forgave Tim Silver because he was giving me crap. You know, like, again, they worked in the same building. You know, I had friends who were publicists at Atlantic, and, you know, yeah. I was friends with Tim forever. He used to sit in with the Love Pushers uh, at Maxwell's and stuff. We would cover uh, uh, modern lovers, modern world, and uh, you know I had seen Hugo Largo a million times. I'd written about them. You know we were buddies, and uh, you know he was like, you know, how could you do this? They were good, hardworking people, and these are some of the arguments, Mister Caravatica, that you made at great length. I do not understand <laughs> how they gave you such length for that story. <laughs> You know, I mean, look, we all have yeah. indefensible guilty pleasures. Uh, you know, I mean, there's no such thing as guilty pleasures. There's no such thing as guilty pleasures. I agree. I, I uh, you know, I was 12 years of Catholic school. I've been shaking that off my entire life. Um, yeah, no, no, no. If it's a pleasure, you shouldn't be guilty. I'm a papist in that regard. Exactly right. I will not apologize for loving Bad Out of Hell by Meatloaf or the Black Eyed Peas, mm -hmm. or Smash Mouth. I mean, that's yeah. right. So, you know, for me, it's those three. For you, it was Hootie. But you cannot exactly. say, you know, they were an important band. I would not say they were a good band. I wouldn't say they were a bad band, but they certainly were not an important band. I feel very strongly. I, I think important. I know they were like 80,000 words you wrote. Yes, that's right. And I, I, I sweated over each of those 80,000 words. I sweat. I, I'm sweating right now, even thinking about it. But I, I to, to that point, importance, obviously, the calibration is I also, so I many different ways to calibrate importance. Well, yeah, yeah, you know. I mean, look, it was good for the industry. It was one of the last good times for the industry. And then you got the influx of team. No, well, you did. Rock, you became Limp Bizkit, insane. Yo, let's see, fam. Yo, I'm going over this thing here, right? This woman, um, Danielle. And Danielle, Danielle was the one to start, what's it called? Danielle Smith. She's the one to first say that R. Kelly married Aaliyah and Jim Derogatis, right? They're both on the same podcast, yo. Yeah. I'm going to just keep playing, pressing play. I know you be working and stuff, man. When you ready, just holler, you know what I'm saying? Actually, I should make you, what if I can make you a moderator, yo? I don't know why I can't make you a moderator. All right. I'm going to press play. Game Limp Bizkit, right. and, and Backstreet Boys and Britney. You know, and, uh, you know, look, years later, Peter Holsapple, I was a huge DB's fan, and REM, of course. You know, and, and Holsapple, I don't know if he was forgiving me or joking about it. He came on, the DBs came on Seven Opinions, and he said, uh, you know, yeah, played with Hootie for the health insurance. You know, <laughs> and that was a line I had. He's like, what a waste of Peter Holsapple. He's like clearly only in the band for health insurance. Uh, but yeah, I bet that's more money than he ever made as a musician in his entire career. And ironically, then he went on to work with uh, healthcare for indigent New Orleans musicians. This so, guy's racist. And, and he still plays with, you know, still plays with Hootie to this day. It's a good paycheck, I'm certain. I'm certain it is. I did speak to Tim Zummer earlier, and it, in Summer's opinion, and I think in mine as well, Hootie is a lot closer to that DB's REM thing than I think is ordinarily because of the nature of their breakthrough. You don't feel it. Only until you listen to the music. 
You know, I mean, in theory, Yo, what up, bro? geographically and in certain social settings. Yo, this guy is crazy, man. He be going, he be going at mad people for money. Yeah, I know. This dude is crazy, man. He's the mafia boss, G. You see how like people be thinking like selling crack and stuff be money. These guys be making real money off like fucking up black people. Right, and he has, and man, and he has no issues doing it. He's been doing this since '95. He was doing this since '96. Yo, they said that he they trying to say that he did it since 2000, right? But if him and Daniel Smith are together on this Rico, right? Because she brought out the first story about Aaliyah and he brought out the first story um, uh, that, that pushed the case in 2000, right? So if they want the same thing, that means they're working together. Yeah. Well, they at least know each other. Yo, me neither, man. Honestly, right? When I was looking into it, I was like, who started this first rumor about Aaliyah getting married? You know what I'm saying? And I realized I, I keep seeing it was the Vibe um Vibe issue, I think of what, September two thousand September nineteen not September nineteen ninety nine, July summer nineteen ninety nine and nine nineteen ninety six. Sorry, nineteen ninety six is when it first came out. July 1996 or something. And she started it, and they were all like, what are you talking about? And it's like, just to push papers, bro. Remember, Bob, that's how it got big. Right. Now imagine, too, right? If you if you run a record company, you see how he said he gave Hootie and the, well, I don't know if you got that part. He gave Hootie and the Blowfish three stars out of five. And they they had a sign in the place saying three and a half stars means you never have to say sorry, right? Now if Hootie and the Blowfish first album sold eight million dollars, is that like a call to say yo you want good press, you want a good you want a good rating, you better give some more money? Yeah, but basically that's what it's about. Yo, yeah. yo, press play, right? I never heard this before, man. Yo, everything good with you though, bro? Oh yeah. Alright, respect, man. I'm gonna just press play for a bit. Yeah. Alright. It's almost done. It's like 42 minutes out of 53, but. But you don't. I know. No, I stand on my original review. Lazy white. So, so you haven't changed. That was like the last thing I wanted to know. Is no, nothing that is. Did you like Craft Review? No. But I, I, I agree. Fairweather is a lesser record. I but you didn't it. like even the big one. No. I didn't hate it, but I didn't like it. It was there. It was milk and cookies. You know, and I'm not talking like a quality cook. I'm not talking like, you know, you know, Oreos like they kept in the freezer, right? Oh, you're talking like a Hydrox. You're talking like a Hydrox. I'm talking like generic grocery store oatmeal. No wafer. No wafers can be really good, especially when you have enough that No, no, I'm talking like the generic, slightly stale oatmeal cookie. Now, one could argue that a bad cookie is better than no cookie, and it depends on the circumstances. You know, I mean, yeah, whatever. You're driving along, or you're in the house, and that comes on the radio. You're not going to jump off the ladder to go turn it off. But, you know, neither is it like Funkadelic coming on the radio, or Wire, or Public Enemy. 
I didn't expect that your opinion had changed at all, but well, I, I, I felt like I had to know. I reconsidered, We like public enemy, but don't like Woody in the Blowfish. Occasional double back on herself is worth reading. You know, and Lester, yes. Lester Banks told me that when I was 17, when I interviewed him. Absolutely right. You know, I mean, he initially despised Public Enemy, Tamar Simmons. You know, and, and back and forth about the MCR, the MCR, Patty Smith, you know. So, so no, you know, I would certainly, and in fact, I read all of the 123,000 words of your article, and I, I carefully considered them. I mean, we bonded, you and I, and I respected your work yes. even before we ever talked. <laughs> You know, and I'm just like, what did I miss here? You know, and <laughs> but I didn't give it to you. Nothing sold to you. No, no, no. I believe someone got like a gold plated Rolls Royce or something. I'm exaggerating. I believe. Wow. You know, yeah, ask him about what the like bonus we should, was. He should give us a ride. Ask him about what the bonus was for the booty success. Man. And see if he's honest with you. And I don't, you know, look, that was the business. That was the yeah, business. But what I never forgave him for was gloating. Another publicist friend of mine at Atlantic sent me a bouquet of flowers. And I'm like, you know, sorry this happened to the gym. Which was, I thought, very sweet. But Summer and one or two others kind of like rubbed dirt in the wound. Like, like, what were you expecting, Jim? And I was like, well, I was a critic expecting to like run my critique. You know, I would never know that to be clear. As Anthony Music Editor, I would have assigned a secret cover story on me because I was right, fascinated about why uh, the equivalent of the cookies connected with so many people. Especially. And I do think it's important. Uh, yeah, I'm glad you're saying this because I do, like, I just recently pretty negatively reviewed Lil Nas X, right? KZB. And it's so strange to see how criticism has been kind of like bastardized in the popular understanding. Like it's been reduced to hatred or uh, some kind of dismissal. Criticism to me, and I'm sure you feel the same, criticism is an act of love. It's an act of generosity. It's an act of giving the, the fullness of my attention and my care and my curiosity to this work of art. It's it doesn't a, mean I'm going to love it. It's a thing. You know, I mean, in order to spend, uh, in order to write a decent review of that movie record or Dave Matthews or Spin Doctors, you know, I mean, I had spent hours and I listened a half a dozen times or more with each. I mean, you know, and like after the first listen, when you're like, don't like this, right? I mean, why do you keep listening? I mean, because you're going to do it right. Exactly. That's exactly it. And it doesn't, it's not about liking or not liking. Like, I feel like criticism just gets reduced to like or don't like, but it's not about that. It's context. It's big picture. It's also it's also like a foil for your personal ideologies that you develop in real time as you're engaging with the art. And I wish more people understood that. But you know, that's you know, I wish a lot. You know, yeah, I know. Uh, I think criticism is a discussion. You know, it's a discussion between people who care passionately about the art, and no critic who's worth reading ever considers herself the last word on a subject. Absolutely she just not. wants Correct. to start the conversation. That's what the podcast is about. That's what Sound Opinion is about. Yeah, is about. Yep. yeah. And, and so you know, I had no animus toward me. In fact, maybe only like five years ago, uh, my wife and I went out to buy my, my permanent wife. And I went out to buy an appliance at this far-flung uh, uh, apt in Chicago. It's, it's a pain in the neck to get to. It's out in the burbs. And like, you know, it's kind of in there. We're buying stove or whatever. And then we're riding back. And now oh, let's go to dinner. We went to dinner. And, uh, you know, who walks in with Darius and, like, six friends? Amazing. And I was like, oh, I can't believe it. You know, and, and uh, you know, I know that. I might have talked to him. I don't think he would remember. I think I've been one of the books, you know. And they get it wrong. Everything gets it wrong, you know. But the, the truth is, it was my big mouth got me fired. Wait, so did you talk to Darius? No, no. no. Oh, I, I thought that was going to be the kicker. No, I thought the kicker was like you went and I gave him a hug or something. Yeah, you know, you know, as the boys sat down, it was quite obvious they had uh, just come off the wings and they'd already had a few and they proceeded to knock back quite a few more 
Sure. And I just I would I would look if I'm in a restaurant this weekend and I really need the red cap. Always later. Okay. <laughs> Jim, I am I am saddened to know that my 246,000 words of praise for being a blowfish fell on deaf ears in Chicago. I'm so sorry. It was a fascinating piece, and I admired the courage. You know, you really stood up in front of an auditorium full of people in only your underwear. That is that is exactly what my plan was, and I'm I'm good. If anybody, honestly, if anyone, if I wanted anyone to appreciate me doing that, it's you. I absolutely did. Actually, there was all this, you know, everybody on Facebook and the Twitters, you know, wanted me to say, you know, like, what the hell is wrong with John? And I'm like, no, I, you know, I don't know. I will argue to my dying day that uh, that Adam Feldman you love is a better album than Darkness on the Edge of Town by Springsteen. I mean that that's ridiculous. No, no, I've been writing nine hundred and seventy-three thousand words. I, I hope you do. I hope you do. You know, nobody wants that book. I have, I have a lot of books nobody wants, brother. <laughs> oh, Jim. Yo, man, thank you so much for your time and, and for your grace under under Darius and Hootie Fire. I appreciate oh, it. You know, it's, it's, it was just a stupid. If it hadn't been that, it would have been something else. So, right. <laughs> that's, that's, really that's, that's how I think about many things in my life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I didn't like it one down. You know, if you're gonna put. Here's a life lesson for old kids, right? If you are going to go down in flames, you might as well go down as spectacularly as possible. So, you know, now I'm the guy who got fired from Rolling Stone, right? Well, you know, it's a good company. The first record review editor, Real Marcus, lasted eight and a half months. He was fired for painting a film album. One of the horrible, like, converted to Christianity film albums that nobody likes. And uh, you know, the second record review editor, Ed Ward, was fired after eight and a half months. And I was fired after eight and a half months. I think that's like, you know, if you go there with you know, opinions, and you're going to stick to them. That's about how long you last. Right, and that's that's the rock stars dying at 27 of music criticism. Yes, yes. You know, when it's your, you know, a lifer like David Frick, who still didn't make it his whole life. But Jim, a pleasure. Always a pleasure, John. I do owe you a hot dog when I'm in Chicago next time. Oh, we can, we can do better than that. Okay, well, you can pick a spot. I'll, I'll just show up. All right, you bet. Going out, let's let's play a kind of slept-on gem from the Rucker R&B record. That record's called Back to Ben. Came out in 2002. Darius told me that Atlantic basically refused to put it out, which is kind of an insane thing considering how popular Rio Blowfish had been for the five or six years prior to that. They basically didn't want to touch it. So it came out on Hidden Beach. Hidden Beach, as you guys may know, was like a sort of neo soul label that was popping in the early 2000s. So this album came out on Hidden Beach. So let's play. I'm not going to play the Snoop Dogg song. There is a song with Snoop on this. It's called Sleeping in My Bed. I'm not going to play this, although Darius did do a very funny Snoop impression when I asked him about this record. Something like, Don't you do that? Or something crazy like that. We're not going to play that, but let's play something a little bit more tender. There's a duet with Jill Scott on this record. It's called Sometimes I Wonder. So let's hit a little bit of that record, Jill Scott. <laughs> Every time I see you, I see you, you make me feel like I've seen the sun. Copyright strike, but yo, G, that is not a three-star track. That right there is not a three-star track, B. Yo, EJ, hop in when you're ready, man. Oh, 
Yeah, I'm here, man. Yeah, how that sound to you, man? Does that sound like a three star track to you? Man, back in '96, that was that was the jam. As far as I know, I don't really know the tracks. From, I don't even know who the Blowfish like that. Come, you know, I'm black, but and he's black, but he was in a whole different genre, right? But he was he's nice with it. Well, yeah, though. I got to add uh, like the uh, uh, reiterator play it back in my head. Oh, He been he been stalking people. He be, he, do, he be doing he slanders everybody he talks about. He just called Hootie and the Blowfish his his, his band. He said they a frat party that be ogling girls out the bus. Wow. Anything and he said yo we could share a hot dog later. You know what I'm saying? Oh we could do better than that. Don't that sound strange? Yeah, it sounds strange, especially yeah, I was figuring his. Well, the thing is, you know, in Obama's records, they were saying that hot dogs were little boys. Allegedly. They started the whole um, Pizzagate thing. Yep, that's right. Mm hmm And if you got $1.7 billion, you can basically do whatever you want. That piece of yeah, is crazy. Sorry. You heard when um Dana put up the John Podesta video? The who? The John Podesta, the, the the audio for John Podesta, supposedly, allegedly. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. See, they be going, they be talking about all this pedophilia stuff with R. Kelly, but they got real things going on. Mm -hmm. What happened with this, right? Why this is so important? This is the time when they both went on the same podcast. The person who started the R. Kelly rumor about, about Aaliyah and the person who started the case and, and the rumor about the, the video who first presented the tape to the cops. Yeah. And they broke up here yeah. there too. Yeah. No, go ahead, Mike. Go ahead, Mike. Go ahead, go ahead, brother. Yeah, but like Jay Rock was saying the other day, though, it's like, how uh, how is Jim uh, there got know how to reach sparkles for Woods? Uh, uh, I mean, for Woods, uh, Woods, I'm trying to figure out how you know uh, how to reach out to sparkles. Uh, yeah, he made it. He made it straight up. That's why he wanted that poop thing. Remember, as had to get the thing about poop. It's like, if you're going to make a big lie, you got to make it as crazy as possible. The first one was like, if y'all believe all that craziness, but that's on you. Mm. Well, how's work going, man? Oh, it's going good because I'm about to get off in the next era. Mm. Yeah, I only got 30 minutes left. I'm good, yeah, I'm good. 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 Yeah, I
sorry. Respect, G. Oh, yeah, yeah. This whole thing is crazy, though. I'm seeing some big money. Because she wrote a book. She wrote books after that, right? Danielle. So he, yeah. he got to own the books. He got to own whatever income she got from her jobs. You know what I'm saying? Like, she's old. he's old. She started the whole Aaliyah, the whole Aaliyah marriage rumor. Right. Really sort of making certificates. Allegedly. Man, I'm surprised the office family ain't uh, even sued her uh, for her estate. Uh, sued her. I know, right? How is? I, but see, that's that's the thing too, right? They got a phone call about Hootie and the Bluefish, and the and the reporter got fired. <clears throat> they talk about Elvis being married at 14. But he he wasn't married when um Priscilla was fourteen. He was married eight years later. He met Priscilla when she was fourteen. He married her when she was twenty-two. They had to do a recasting. Cause see, oh. they got a good age. Yeah, they didn't. They never add that in, yo. They never say that shit. Yeah, that's uh, that's what they left out. Mm hmm. And, that and he, yo, that freaked me out when I heard it, man. I'm like 18. They got married at 22. So why they, why they keep going to Elvis? Because that that estate, that publishing. So what do you think about these organizations being like mafias, man? Yeah, finally getting. I think all this happened for a reason, though, because these people have been making mil billions, not just millions, billions with a B off of R. Kelly for years. From NBC to Lifetime to Disney to, to motherfucking um, Vibe, Vibe Records, because they had to boost their sales with that, to Rolling Stone. Yo, this is crazy. Yeah, speaking of Rolling Stone, he was trying to get R. Kelly to, uh, to get him a job at Rolling Stone. And, you know, and Rob told him no. But the thing is, he had a job at Rolling Stone. And, you know, he he lost his job. That's what he was talking about just now. He was fired because he went talking shit about Hootie and the Blowfish and gave him a three-star rating. And Hootie and the Blowfish, they, they producer or whatever, was, was good with the, the guy who ran the Rolling Stone. So they were like, nigga, you got to go. Cause I think it's like a racist attack. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I see yeah. why because Rolling Stone always been uh, always been so biased, you know, when it comes to the race. Yeah, they used to be like that. Yeah, because I, uh, I be checking them out every time I do do my research on you know certain albums, and Rolling Stone be giving them up, giving them no ratings, no story. I'm like. Like, how is that possible? Like, what is y'all listening? Because ain't no money spreading, yo. Ain't no money spreading. They got to the Huh? 
No, I'm like, well, they just went to the first day. We just went to the first I know, man. But it's crazy, yo. But if, if, if what he did back then was a racist attack on Hootie and the Blowfish, right? A personally racist attack on Hootie and the Blowfish. And what he's doing now for 30 years, that got to be like racial, man. I'm not saying that there's racist and racism exists, but there's some people out there who hate to see black men get a lot of money. Yeah, they are uh, And he went at everybody. He going at Michael Jackson. He was going at Bill Cosby. He was going, he is like everybody, even the white boys with Hootie and the Blowfish. He's like, yo, they, they checking out girls, meaning they, they probably got a case on them. So he's working that for a later story. Because if you got a team, right, or reporters, you could just send them out and be like, yo, get information, get information, get information. We pull up articles, and those articles lead to arrests, lead to, to, to lockups. I wanna I wanna know if he's working with that finding Neverland too, yo. Cause he could he keep putting in shit that he ain't supposed to be in. That I'm not expecting him to be talking about. I'm thinking it's just all Kelly, all Kelly, all Kelly. Nope. Everybody's a, a pervert to him. But he's going to share a hot dog. Yeah, uh, I found it uh, like I, 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 I said, I said, I'm gonna have to keep an eye on you though because I like it, like it is like it, it gotta be controlled for this stuff. I'm like Michael Avenatti uh, because him, Michael Avenatti, him Fox uh, share uh, three ways with him uh, uh, messing with some hot dog. Uh, uh, like the story don't wrap. Mm. Don't can't hear you too good, man. But I know you at work, man. So I ain't trying to freak you up, yo. Yo, no problem, man. Yo, let's 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 get back up tomorrow, man. Cause I don't want to mess you up. You know what I'm saying? Cause I want everybody to hear exactly what you say. Cause I know you you be bringing in some gems back to back. You know what I'm saying? So I just want to kill free. <laughs> I think I'm gonna finish this up with some um Hootie and the Blowfish, man. You know, cause this guy, this is everybody who gets in the biz, yo. And this is crazy. Yo, thanks a lot for jumping on, right, EJ? Oh yeah. Yo, respect to the fullest, man. Oh yeah, much respect. Yeah, just give me a second. Yo, just if you want to hear this um Hootie and the Blowfish, man, I'm gonna play this joint right now. He's live on this. Yeah. All right, uh, all right, I'm about to I'm 
We all Kelly, yo. So I can't take too much of that, man. I'm too, I'm too black. <laughs> yo, free all Kelly. Big up officials day to jail, yo. If anybody likes the content, send their own cash apps or whatever, or Zelle to a dollar sign official day to jail. It's for the folks on Twitter. I admit I trust people too much. I admit I can't say such and such. But the Lord is told to settle this. Even though it's bullshit. Can't protect your career. All these people in my ear. I admit I've been tempted by drugs. I admit that I just need a hug. I admit the devil talked to me sometimes, but the devil's not who I trust. I've been fucked by so many dumb minds. Why they push me out front of these cameras? All this music got in favor of them, and now they play me like a fucking amateur. I got a right, yeah. I got a right, yeah. Cancel my shows, that shit ain't right. Yes. 
How much can a nigga break? Just wanna do my music, stop stressing me. Please just let me ace rates for me. I admit it, I made it. I admit it, I did. 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 They took my gift and they blind me. Where the fuck is my money? Now here come this big ass conspiracy. Still got my fans, that's a blessing. Listen to heaven, just stay on my ground and it's 24-7. And I know my mama Joanne is smiling down on me. I put that on reverend. Been a grown man since age 11. Been out on the clock since 7. Rest in peace to my homie Kevin. I admit it, I mean, I admit it, I did, I admit it, I did, I admit it, I did, I admit, I admit, I'm afraid, you should go to strip clubs every week, all these niggas trying to say I am, and I'm not, and I put that on feet. I admit I fuck with all the ladies, that's both older and young ladies, but tell me how they call it pedophile, because of that shit, that's crazy. You may have your opinions, entitled to your opinions, but really am I supposed to go to jail or lose my career because you're a king? Yeah, go ahead and storm me, point your finger at me, turn the world against me, like only God can use me. I admit that I fired some people. I admit that I hired new people. I admit that those people I fired. Oh, my mama was crooked as people. I admit that I don't want my music. I admit that I don't want my music. Want it back, but they don't want to do it. What the fuck, nigga? I want that music. I did that pumping ground. I did that 12 play. I did that bed. JC, we going to figure out what's going so on, bro. So put some respect on my damn name. Now, Wendy Williams mad with me, but I ain't never offer her no drink. But I admit that she asked me, can I get a little bit of sick? Then we go turn off our phone. We drink, I smoke, we talk. And I admit that I told it all. From my two points to my faults. She said, what about the I said, love. She said, what about the tape? I said, love. She said, my lawyer said, don't say love. But I can tell you I've been sad up. I admitted how ever since the first day. It was out knowing I signed my publishing away. I admitted I was young and called up so blind. Yeah. Said I had dicks like you couldn't read all the contracts. Yeah. And now the truth in this mess is cause I'm a broke ass legend. The only reason I stay on tour is cause I gotta pay my rent. I never thought that it would come to this, but being the most disrespected artist, so I had to write a song about They always take my words and twist it. Believe me, it's hard to admit all this. I'm in my feelings about this shit, but I had to set the fucking record straight. So I admit it, I did. I admit it, I did. I admit it, I did. I admit it, I did, did it. I admit I love Steve Harvey, John Legend and Tom Joyner. They're doing the little lies right now about what they want to tear down another problem. We miss your blackness enough. Black and we go through enough. How can we get up off the ground when we steady tear each other down? I admit that the devil is busy and some people beside me ain't with it. 
Overseas, everywhere. Don't worry, don't care. Cause the anointing is on you. And that's why these haters is at you. So just keep on doing you, baby. You don't have to give these fools an explanation. I admit it, I mean. I admit it, I did. I admit it, I did. I What's the definition of a cult? What's the definition of a sex lane? Go to the dictionary, look it up, and let me know I'll be here waiting. I admit I got some girls that love me before they have. And I admit they love me to talk dirty when I pull they some like me to sing, some like to get bright. And what some of these girls want is too much for the radio station. Look, I'm just a man, y'all. Not a monster or beast. But I admit there are times when these girls so fine out there that I think I'm wrong. Now I admit I love you, happy. Through the years, supported you, happy. But when he left this world, he had a million girls. But we gon' always love you, happy. To Jim C. Regardless or whatever your name is. You've been trying to destroy me for 25 whole years. Writing the same stories over and over and over again. Off my name, you know, when it made yourself a career. Guess what? I pray for you and your family. All my other enemies, not gonna let y'all steal my joy. Just gonna keep on doing me. Now I don't or Kelly was saying exactly who did it from the start. I'm gonna play this here real quick. It's from Lone Wolf and Co. Because what happens when your media organizations have turned on the citizens? was an accident. He did it on purpose. He was afraid I knew too much about the public. What, what they were up to. Sumasano, what is it? What are they up to, sir? Won't you tell me what it's all about? The diplomatic practices. Our information comes in every day from every part of the land through diplomatic boxes. Diplomatic boxes. Yes, Commissar. It took a great deal of work to find out what it was. A young human had been using them for their own purposes. A great amount of confidential information was being leaked outside. That was it. They were carrying on their own intelligence service by means of those boxes. They actually managed to create a statement of the state of plotting against the government. Matsudo realized that I found out about it. And took advantage of it too. To strike me down. My Lord Sua, tell me more about it. What are they really planning? I must know. Through the diplomatic boxes they're trying to upset. Through the diplomatic boxes trying to take so Samu don't go. Trying to take over. 
Wu-Tang Collection, Shogun Assassin, The Fugitive Samurai. It's a story about when um there were there were like four factions of ninjas, right? This guy here was like the head assassin because he had fought the other faction and they he took over because his master had realized there was something that was going on with their side. And he said he wanna he wanna put him in, in place because they're trying to get the spot. Once they get that spot, then they take over the whole um situation. But he ain't know that yet. Cause he's like on the lower tier. Now he gets to this tier now. They got they accidentally they, they forced him or tricked him into killing his master with um the other guy's bow when he deflected it with a with a with a sword. So they killed the the master, right? And what they did from there is to start defaming this guy piece by piece. They started working it to destroy the guy who actually knew what was going on. You see what I'm saying? They, they, they planted evidence. They, they took over the state. When it was done, by the end of the show, they took over the state. They had to fight the shit out of him, though. But him and his, his son, I don't know if you ever watched um, Fugitive Samurai, Shogun Assassin. Him and his son like became Rogue Samurai. They were supposed to do Harry Curry. They were like, nah, we're, we're, we're samurais with no master. You know what I'm saying? We assassins for hire right now, yo. Him and the little man. The little man was like a child. You told the little man, if you pick the sword, you know, we're going to go on this, this rampage because they killed my wife. If you pick the ball, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm going to commit Harry Curry and we call it a day. Little man picked the sword at like a baby's age. And dude was like, all right, we going on the rampage. But they created a state within a state. It's sick. Anyway, yo, EJ, thanks for jumping in, man. Respect to the fullest, bro. You want to say anything last? You good. All I can say is that uh, we always tell each other exactly the truth will come out. And one thing I can say is say to keep it in the life is probably part of your life to see the truth. That's going to be part of You know, You know what, what his song has showed us too, man? That those who support R. Kelly in these times have the anointing of God, yo. Right. Yo, respect, fam. You have a good night, right? Alright, you too, bro. Alright, can you bless up? Alright, yeah. Mm.